It just seems that traditional pipelines for success weren't built for us. It's like we're wearing a, a scratchy sweater that just does not fit. And it's not going to change until we create new models of what successful leadership looks like. I think we need to break those existing pipelines and build new ones that fit for the diverse range of people we actually need to solve some of these really big challenges ahead of us, least of all the climate crisis. Welcome to Sustainability Leaders. I'm Michael Torrance, Chief Sustainability Officer with BMO Financial Group. On this show, we will talk with leading sustainability practitioners from the corporate, investor, academic, and NGO communities to explore how this rapidly evolving field of sustainability is impacting global investment, business practices, and our world. The views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of Bank of Montreal, its affiliates, or subsidiaries. Hi, I'm Melissa Fifield, head of the BMO Climate Institute, and today we're joined by Andy Blair, co-founder of Upflow, a geothermal research and innovation company based in New Zealand. Upflow is dedicated to harnessing the vast potential of geothermal energy to provide intelligent solutions to global industries. Andy was selected as an awardee for the We Empower UN SDG Challenge. The We Empower UN SDG Challenge is the first of its kind global competition for social entrepreneurs who are advancing the UN Sustainable Development Goals and inspiring entire communities to act to create the world we want by 2030. Welcome, Andy. Kia ora, Melissa. Hi, everybody. To start, can you please give our audience more background about yourself and Upflow? Sure. So at Upflow, We want to inspire people to use STEAM to solve the world's most pressing problems. And I mean that in two ways. STEAM, the acronym for science, technology, engineering, arts and math, and STEAM, the superheated water vapor that we all know. Upflow is a research and innovation company from the geothermal energy sector. So in English, it means that we take gifts from the earth and use them to build bridges between pure science and the business world. So we're solutioneers. We do the really hard, complex stuff that allows science to solve real-world problems. We really like difficult problems. Now, there's two big problems, climate change and hunger. We're working with a Māori organisation that owns geothermal assets. Māori, the indigenous people of New Zealand, demand more than economic outcomes. So social, cultural and environmental outcomes are as if not more important than dollars. We've sourced two microorganisms from their geothermal ecosystem. Now these bugs work together symbiotically eating greenhouse gases and producing single cell protein. Yes, food. So what starts out as carbon dioxide and methane ends up as food. Now, right now it's for animals, but someday for humans. Now, I won't say that it's easy. Our scientists and engineers are scratching their heads all day, every day. 
but they love it. Now me, I have always been the translator in between business, science and community. I'm curious about people in the world. I feel confident in the grey, that space of uncertainty. I'm okay with being wrong. I'm okay with making mistakes because as we all know, you have to be brave to try new things. And also, being wrong doesn't mean the end. And no doesn't mean the end. It just simply means you have to find a different way around it. It's not easy to raise money for R&D. It's a risky endeavor. But the tough problems need the most clever solutions and the most daring to create them. And that's our sweet spot, the hard spot. And with support, we'll keep solutioneering and solving problems with STEAM, both kinds. I love your story, Andy. I think what you're doing is absolutely incredible. And I love that there's multiple benefits to the work that that you've done and, and the solutions that you've uncovered. As you are looking to pursue the business, what factors influenced you to focus on sustainability in particular? Thanks, Melissa. Yeah, I've always been interested in science in the world. And when I joined the geothermal industry 17 odd years ago, I saw how transformational geothermal projects are for the communities that surround them. And when you think about typical geothermal and volcanic environments, they're usually in rural, low socioeconomic locations. And geothermal projects offer access to energy, minerals, and other resources that enable economic development. They provide food security, provides access to water, and a raft of other opportunities that can help people prosper. A really cool example of this is in El Salvador, in Awachapan geothermal plant, they use the water from the geothermal cooling tower to water cacao and coffee plants for a commercial operation. And here they hire over 600 local women. And why they focus on women is because they know that if you lift up women, she will take everyone around her with her. And I, I don't have children. And I feel like I have a moral obligation to try and make the world a fairer, more equitable place for everybody's children. And so at Upflow, our why is we want to do good stuff with great people for the good of the world. And that means, the core of that means sustainability for humans and the planet. That's incredible. From your experience as a woman business leader, um, how do you see women navigating the barriers and challenges that they may face when working to participate equally from an economic perspective? Yeah, that's a really, really big question. And the institutionalized bias is so hard to see that we live in. And so we're always doubting whether there is bias or not bias. We see a lot of women when they're hitting brick walls as they can't climb ladders in the corporate world. We get frustrated about how we don't fit. We feel like our contributions aren't being valued to the extent that our male colleagues are. Our values start to be more challenged by the success equals profits equals success equation. Uh, we get caught in that likability versus 
competency dilemma where women can be either of those things, but men can be both. And, and also, we really feel really heavily that burden of being the only woman at the table. And oftentimes, we just don't see a clear path forward or, or people that look like us at the top. It just seems that traditional pipelines for success weren't built for us. It's like we're wearing a, a scratchy sweater that just does not fit. And it's not going to change until we create new models of what successful leadership looks like. I think we need to break those existing pipelines and build new ones that fit for the diverse range of people we actually need to solve some of these really big challenges ahead of us, least of all the climate crisis. So I think my advice is to women out in the world, out there, is push really hard from wherever you are. You have allies that you don't even know about yet. But if you push, they will make themselves known to you. Be intolerant of unfairness. Call it out. Shine a light on it. Because even if you don't get that immediate response you were looking for, people often won't say, I was, you, you're right, I'm wrong, that was bad. You will feel empowered and good about yourself. And this will also make you braver to call it out the next time you see it and empower those around you to call it out and do the same. And I think the most important thing is that if you're in a position to climb, do it. Get to the top as fast as you can. Who cares if you filled a quota or you were promoted because you were a woman or the diversity hire? We need every single one of you at the top to dismantle the infrastructure and start throwing ladders down to those coming behind us. We need to do it now. And we need all genders to help us get there. This is, this is not a woman's problem. This is a societal problem. And we can't, we can't simply wait and hope for fairness because it's not working. So that would be my, those comments for women out there who are listening in. Those are some fantastic gems. I love the analogy of a scratchy sweater, but also just the image of throwing ladders down. I think that's so important is to use our positions to help uplift others, which you're obviously doing uh, an incredible job at. Shifting gears a little bit, what do you see your business would need and perhaps other businesses that are also working toward a more sustainable future? What would they need to achieve more widespread impact? Yeah, I, I think we all need oxygen. And, and by oxygen, I mean money, because that's all we need is just some oxygen to breathe and move. And if I think about my space and all that's that entrepreneurial sort of tech R&D space, the, the current funding models, the pre-seed R&D grants, model funding streams, they just take so long to work through a funding path that, you know, when you're a startup business, cash flow, you live and die on your cash flow. And those long, burdensome administrative processes are just so heavy that you see a lot just opt out. Also, these groups of funders are really risk adverse. And these solutions and things that we're coming up with, this new tech, this new climate tech, they just don't fit the norm because guess what? The norm got us here. So, of course, they're not going to fill the traditional commercial requirements, the structures, 
project pathways, timelines, etc. That that traditional projects will be able to do. Every key element of delivery is going to be different. So either we have to fit ourselves into those commercial boxes and reduce our focus on purpose, or we have to spend so much time trying to educate grant managers, funders, investors and banks and other gatekeepers on why what we're trying to do is the right thing to do and that the impact will be great and important. I mean, that's an ongoing rhetoric we have to keep spouting. But, you know, are people important? Is the climate important? Yes, but where are the dollars? So we need more focus on that quadruple bottom line, that profit, people, purpose and planet. And as much as we hear that people from those institutions saying we're focused on that, that's true. It's not true. Basically, what we get, what are demanded of us is that not only do we have to have all the financial requirements of a traditional investment, but we all have to add on top the burden of environmental outcomes, social outcomes as well. So it's weighed, it's weighed heavier. So research and development, that entrepreneurialism and that creativity gets suffocated in the administrative burden and the risk-adverse funding pathways. And so we often opt out of the corporate space to do things, but the, the massive gender bias in the VC space means that if you're a woman capital raising, it's almost defeat before you again. I, I think last year it was 2% of VC funds went to women in the, in the Americas and 0.9% in Europe. So it just feels like defeat before you start. And, and I think what we really need is for people to realize that this is urgent, that you know governments and large funds are being cautious and risk adverse and saving for a rainy day. Well, guess what? It's raining. Start spending the reserves because we have zero time left. It takes, if it takes two years to get seed funding, it means that we're five to 10 years away from real commercially scaled decarbonization technology and products. We do not have that much time. 2030 is seven years away. So in order for myself, my company and people around me to really get moving and put solutions in play for our climate goals, we need these groups to start spending their money, start supporting founders and understand they know how to make their projects work and live in the real world. No one more than them wants their business to succeed. So we'll do what it takes. So just believe us and give us some oxygen. Wise words. I think sometimes sustainability and climate issues can feel really intimidating and really big. You've already made the point that we need to start spending those reserves and accessing capital to help advance the research needed to bring some of those solutions online. From your perspective, what do you see? You know, I think sometimes we think that maybe only the biggest actions have the most effect. But from your perspective, what are the ways that individuals can have the most impact on climate change? Yeah, it can, it can sometimes feel really overwhelming how big the challenge is. And the fact that we need to halve our emissions by 2030 to achieve net zero by 2050 just sounds like a lot because it is a lot. I think about a quote that actually Theodore Roosevelt says, which is, do what you can with what you have where you are. This is not an environmental crisis. It's a human crisis. The planet's going to live on without us. It's us that want to live on. And so we have to go together 
through this and we have to bring everyone with us. Uh, I think we all need to start realising this is urgent and that we need to look at the problem now and act. We need to adopt a disruption mindset. I think everybody does in their everyday life. It doesn't matter whether you are buying groceries for your household or you're procuring goods and services for your business. If you're organising an event and saying, well, what sort of cups and plates are you using? How are you going to distribute our goods? You know, everywhere where you are can make a difference. There is no silver bullet. There's no one answer. There's no perfect place. There's paralysis if we look for perfection. We must all act imperfectly and use our ability to influence where we are and stop seeking perfection. Just get moving. Let's just get on the path and then we'll be able to move in small increments and get to the right place, but we can't stand still anymore. We, we have to move and we can do it. I have so much optimism about this. If you could meet all of the smart people that I meet in this tech space, you would believe we could do it, but we need everyone to come with us and not sit back and wait for perfect. We just need to break the existing frameworks of the old and do things differently. And, and just like when the digital age transformation happened, we just need everything to break and move. We need to be bold and ambitious and, and demand more of each other and encourage each other. And, and I think, you know, when we saw with COVID, what happened was people saw an immediate problem and we all came together and sought solutions. And I think we need that kind of urgency and focus to get to where we need to go to really achieve our climate goals. And I absolutely believe we can do it. Absolutely. Is there anything else you want to add to our conversation? No, just that I, no meaning yes. That's a thing we say in New Zealand. We say yeah, nah, which is, which is a confusing statement. I'd just like to add that the solutions are out there and they are not going to suit the traditional ways and way we've done things. And if you are sitting inside a traditional system of funding or other kind of support that can help tech, start spending the money, stop being so risk adverse. It's time to move. And also all of you women, you wahini out there, it's time to stand up and push. We can't wait anymore. So hopefully I get to see more of your faces in the sunlight and standing in front of some amazing tech. And uh, kia ora to BMO and our partners who have supported us in the WeM Power Awards. We've just had our minds blown from the support. We need more of what you're doing to support women and, and help get us where we need to be. So thanks very much. Kia ora koutou. Fantastic, Andy. Thank you so much. You're an inspiration and we're so grateful to have you on our podcast today and look forward to watching all the incredible things that you're working on and seeing them come to fruition. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Sustainability Leaders. This podcast is presented by BMO Financial Group. To access all the resources we discussed in today's episode and to see our other podcasts, visit us at bmo.com forward slash sustainability leaders. You can listen and subscribe free to our show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast provider, and we'll greatly appreciate a rating and review and any feedback that you might have. 
Our show and resources are produced with support from BMO's marketing team and Puddle Creative. Until next time, I'm Michael Torrance. Have a great week. For BMO disclosures, please visit bmocm.com slash podcast slash disclaimer.